it is a good day for us as um, South Africans today. We are through to the semi-finals of the World Cup. That's great news. So if you are watching um, international, you're from Scotland. Sorry, ne? Um, also, for those um, who are Max Verstappen F1 fans, congratulations. It's okay. All right, we're moving on. I want to start off with a movie that um, really captivated a lot of people in the 2002-2003. It was actually more like a, a cult-like status. And it's a movie called The Count of Monte Cristo. Has anybody seen that movie? A few people. I can see we have so many younger generations here because some of you are like, what? That is the movie. That's how it looks. That was the video cover or the DVD when you had to go and rent it out. But it's about all about this guy called Edmund Dante who was a hard-working sailor, and he had this love for a lady called Mercedes. Like, you know, some of you men love your car. You know, if you have a Mercedes, you love your car more than your wife, Mercedes. But you see, this, the plot of the story was that there were a few people who didn't like him, like Fernand was, was, wanted Mercedes. He coveted her, and then also we had a guy called um, Villefort that wanted to be, was a corrupt prosecutor, and then also Danglers, who was jealous of who he was. So they made up these trumped-up charges, or they falsely accused him of doing something that he didn't do. And he went to prison, falsely accused. And in the worst prisons of French time at that moment, based on the story. Then he met a fellow prisoner who was also there for many years. And before this prisoner died, he told them about all the riches on the Isle of Monte Cristo, where he can find it as they escape. But unfortunately, as all the movies go, the prisoner, the elder gentleman, passed away. So now we have this Dante who was going to Monte Cristo, got all these riches, and then he came back as the Count of Monte Cristo. I mean, ladies, that is so romantic. Can you imagine you're married? What, what's your husband's name? The Count of Emil Ashlini. Can you just imagine that? Got a ring on it, eh? There we go. So what he did is he came and he actually plotted revenge to each and every person that actually wronged them. All the evil that was portrayed to him, he came and he plotted revenge. Until the end, he, fa he faced the bad guys, if I can call it that, and with a sword fight, killed the person. And the crowd went wild. Woo! But that's how Hollywood perceives how we must treat people that are evil towards us. And that's the topic I want to talk about today. I don't want to talk about the evil in the sense of supernatural evil, the devil and demons and so forth. But I want to talk about when people have evil motives towards us or we have evil motives towards them. You know, Hollywood portrays a retaliation to evil. We have to get our revenge. And you're like thinking, yeah, Louis, but I am not evil. I am not a person that have evil intent. Okay. When you block somebody on WhatsApp. When last did you unfriend somebody on Facebook? You know what's the weirdest thing about Facebook? Sometimes it gives you friend suggestions. And you're like, but I was a friend with that person. When last that you, were you jealous of somebody's doing well at the expense of you. You see, evil things happen to us. Evil situations happen to us. And when I look at the world, when we look at this movie, we can see clearly it happens. 
You know, there's a guy that I want to speak a little bit about today, and his name is Oskar Schindler. Just quickly, Schindler's List, the movie was out. Oskar Schindler was a German, and we all know the good side of him. We all think, yes, he saved so many Jews in the time when the Nazi concentration camps happened. But did you know that Oskar Schindler started off in the Nazi party? Did you know that Oskar Schindler was actually part of the Nazis during the time that the Jews were taken away from their families, separated and so forth? The factory that he bought or leased was under the pro-German idea where they could take factories from the Jewish community and give it to the Germans. Did you know that? It's not something we see in the movies. But the plot twist of this is, is that Oscar, what he saw, what was happening to the Jewish community, he got to a place, and I feel, or I believe, not feel, I believe that he was convicted of what is happening, that he decided to turn that factory into a safe haven for thousands of Jewish people. You see, the world tried to have evil, and one person decided to make a change in that area of the world. So much so that we see the movies like Schindler's List, and that very factory is a museum that you can go and visit. Yet the devil tried to exterminate people for, by the millions, and there was one person used to take a few, a few thousand out. Evil to goodness. The dictionary says somebody that is evil is a person who... Uh, is profoundly immoral and wicked. You know that the Bible says we're all wicked? <laughs> we're all immoral in a sense. I'm just saying that. But when we look at people that's immoral or wicked, do we look at a boss? Do you look at a person that's hurt you? Do you look at that person who's done a business deal with and not giving you the goods? You know those fake scams? Do you look at a brother or a sister that you stopped talking to because of their immoral behavior? Maybe I must ask you this today. Maybe it's your mother-in-law. Who knows? No, mother-in-laws are not laughing at this one, eh? I'm not evil, I promise you. It's just a joke. But I want to ask you today, what do you see as evil? And what do you do when evil comes your way? You know, there's a, a story in the Bible I want to focus at today, and it's the, I'm going to do a Bible story with you guys, and it's a, a person whose own family actually wanted to kill him. He was actually a younger brother, and his other brothers wanted to kill him. His own family said, hey, we wanted a part of you. We want to throw you in a pit, and we want to kill you and lie to our dad because you're the favorite son. I want to tell you of a story who went to pr a person who went to prison falsely accused of something he did not do for about 10 years, if the scholars are to believe. And he still, through the face of evil, through the face of adversity, he came and he still worshiped God. I want to speak about a guy called Joseph today. And I want to show you the plot twist on how Hollywood, or Horrorwood at this moment, if I can call it that, shows us how we have to handle evil, all right, people that wrong us, people that's evil towards us, and how Joseph is the prime example of how God wants us to handle evil when it comes our way, but also how not to be evil towards others. Because we sometimes think evil is only the serial killers and the war criminals, but it can be us also. And I want to talk a little bit about today. So Joseph, first of all, you need to understand it's in Genesis 37. He was one of the younger children of the sons of Jacob. And because Jacob loved this son because he had him when he was at an old age, he gave him this beautiful robe. 
all right, this beautiful robe, and he said to him, hey, go to your brothers with your robe on. Now, parents, have you ever gone to the shop and bought your one child something and the other child nothing? Have you done that? How did it go for you? For those who are so quiet in the room, I want to challenge you after this, I'll meet you at Pick and Pay. And then you buy one chocolate for the one child and you leave the other child out and we'll say, let the games begin. This is how the brothers felt. They were jealous of Joseph. They were jealous of his coat. They were jealous that God spoke to him through dreams and that they even said that you're going to bow down to me. And what did the brothers do? They said, you know what? I had enough. Genesis 37 verse 3 to 4. Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in old age and he made a robe of many colors for him. When his brothers saw their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. They couldn't even speak nicely towards each other. Guys, that's family relationships. That's evil already right there. Doesn't get better. Genesis 37 verse 18 to 20. They saw him in the distance and before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, here comes that dreamer. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say a vicious animal ate him, and then we will see what becomes of his dreams. You see, here's the first plot twist. God already had a plan here because Reuben, the younger brother, one of the brothers, not the younger brother, one of the brothers said, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in the pit. Here the brother comes. He thinks everything is hunky-dory. He's happy and everything. And his brother throws him into a pit. Evil happens to him. And he's in that pit. And what makes things worse, when they allowed him out of the pit, they sold him into slavery. Into Egypt slavery. So now I want you to imagine, when evil happens to you, you're being thrown in that pit. What do you do when you're in that pit? What is the situation when evil happens to you? What is your first idea of what you're going to do. There's an Afrikaans saying, the wheel dry, the wheel turns. We plot revenge. We like, how can God allow this to happen to us? How can this happen now in the world that we currently live in? How does God allow this? But Joseph wasn't like that. He still kept on worshiping God. And then when they sold him into slavery, he came to Egypt. Now, you need to understand that this is before Moses and the Egyptians. That's before then. So now Egypt, in Egypt, Potiphar buys him as a slave. Joseph is in a pit. You're in a pit. He becomes a slave. You're a slave. What do you do? And Joseph had the favor of God because he knew who God was. And he became the head of the household of Potiphar's house. And what happens next? Joseph, I can think, was the things are going well. It's going great. I'm doing good, uh, even though I'm not with my brothers at this moment. Let's make the best of a worse scenario. I am in charge of Potiphar's house, a very rich officer of Pharaoh at that time. But then Potiphar's wife becomes a desperate housewife. And she sees David. Oh, David, listen to me. Let's see Joseph, please. Joseph, online, Joseph. And I see Joseph with his six-pack and his calves, and his glutes, and his biceps. And she went, 
we're vibing. I want that. And Joseph said, no. And Joseph said, no. And Joseph said, no. Because now the temptation comes. I want you to put yourself, I want you to understand the story. In the pits, sold into slavery, things are going well. And the temptation comes to do evil. And one day she decided she had enough. And she grabs him on his clothing and he runs away. And she falsely accuses him of doing something he didn't do. Potiphar became angry and guess where he goes to? Prison. Prison. What would you do if evil like that portrays you? I think you would have given up. I think we would have given up on God. We would have given up on Christianity. God, you're not answering my prayers. God, you are not hearing me. Why are you allowing this to happen? Why am I in prison now? I was in a hole. You elevated me out. Now I'm back in prison. But what does Joseph do? Joseph comes and he says, you know what? I'm going to still honor God. And the next plot just comes. And Joseph is in prison with the baker of the Pharaoh and also the cupbearer of the Pharaoh. And what happens? God reveals in a dream to what's going to happen to them. And poor baker, he didn't make it. He died. But the cupbearer got released from prison as the dream was interpreted. And Joseph asked him one thing. Remember me when you go out. Guess what the cupbearer did? He forgot about Joseph. How many times do we think when evil happens to us, God forgets about us? Feels like God is not with us. Feels like God keeps us in prison. So much so that we want to give up. But then there's another plot twist. Two years later. Two years. Two years. Now, the, the theologians are believing that the, Joseph was in prison for 10 years. All right? 10 years. For two years later... Uh, 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 um, Pharaoh has a dream, but nobody can interpret it. So what happens? They, the cupbearer was like, all of a sudden, oh, yes. I you know when you send a WhatsApp to somebody, and then 30 days later, they say, finding you. You know that type of scenario? Oh, yes. I remember this guy in prison. He actually helped me. Let me send him to you. And Pharaoh asked for him, and Joseph interpreted the dream for him. It says this in Genesis 41, verse 38 to 32, 28 to 32. It is just as I told Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. After them, seven years of famine will take place, and all the abundance in the land of Egypt will be forgotten. The famine will devastate the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows it. For the famine will be very severe. Since the dream was being given twice to Pharaoh, it means that this matter has been determined by God and he will carry it out soon. Yeah, God has given Pharaoh a dream two years later. Two years later, God has given his dream to Pharaoh because the timing was right for Joseph to come out of prison to warn Pharaoh and the Egyptians of the famine. So what happens when he interpreted the dream? He didn't say by any wishy-washy. He said because God determines it. You see how he's still worshiping God? You see how God is still in the center? It's not him interpreting the dream. It was God. And what happens? He becomes the second in charge in Egypt. Yet he was in a hole, into slavery, doing well, into prison, being elevated. And God was there throughout the whole scenario of his life. And for me, I had to see, look at Joseph in the pit. Look at him in the pit and where God has put him in the end of the story. But it gets better. 
Because the famine happens in the world. And the Hebrew community had to come to Egypt for food. And guess who showed up? His brothers. Now, can you imagine your brothers throwing you in a pit? They sell you. Now you are in prison for 10 years for something you didn't do. What would you do to your brothers or sisters that did that to you? What would you do? Some of you are currently doing it. No, I'm not joking, guys. Some of you stop speaking to your brother. Some of you stop speaking to your sister. Some of you stop speaking to your mother, to your father, to your colleague. And I'm looking at Joseph, and Joseph came, and Joseph saw his brothers, and he put them through a few tests. But you know what? He revealed himself to them, and he said, what they intended for evil, God meant for good. So when I look at this story, when I look at the story of Joseph, and I look at the world and evil, and I look at what Joseph has done, it's given me a few ideas or a few practical steps for us how to deal with evil. And when I look at Joseph's story, there's never a scene where Joseph has given up on God. There's never a space in the Bible where Joseph has spoken against God. There's never a, a chapter where Joseph has given up. Yes, I presume he had tough times and so forth, but he still honored God first. He still gave God the glory. He still said, God, you are first. And when his brothers came, when his brothers came to him and said, hey, we are here. He had the full human Bollywood, Hollywood, Horrorwood, whatever, intense uh, revenge scenario plotted out where he could have thrown them in prison and nobody would have cared. He could have killed them and nobody would have cared. And what we do is, as Christians, I'm going to get to that verse. As Christians, what happened is, we use the Old Testament verse saying, but Louis, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's in the Bible, I can use it. But then I was like, well, Matthew 5 verse 38 to 39 says something different. You have heard it said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, this is Jesus, do not, what is the word? I, I can't hear you, New Life Church. What is the word? Do not, re, what? Do not resist an evil person. What? Something tripped even here behind me now. Do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you in the right cheek, Turn the other cheek also to them. And if I look at Joseph's life, when I look at what Joseph have done, I can understand why he did that to his brothers that he did. Because he understood that he mustn't resist that evil person or doesn't resist the evil. Because if he resisted the evil every step of the way here, Egypt wouldn't have been saved. Pharaoh, Pharaoh wouldn't have a second in charge called Joseph. We wouldn't have this story in the Old Testament to reflect on evil today. Gives me three points that I want to share with you today. And the first one is this. We need to understand that God is always in charge. Genesis 50 verse 20 says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done for the saving of many lives. Can you imagine Joseph in the prison now? Here he sits in the prison, he gets elevated, and his brothers come, and now he says, you know what, it's okay. God allowed me to walk this road. He allowed me to walk this road to save many lives. 
you guys need to understand, we do not operate out of a place of perfection. We operate at a place of brokenness. And when we operate from a place of brokenness, what happens is God does the work and we get elevated. And God does the work and we get elevated. And God does the work and we get elevated. But it's God, it's God, it's God, it is not you. So when evil comes, don't resist it. Embrace it. Because it means the devil is trying to cancel you out 100%. We see it with Joseph becoming the second in charge of, uh, of Egypt. We see this with Ruth becoming the queen and saving her people. We see this with David, the shepherd boy, who became king and then back to a shepherd boy and became a king and Goliath. We see all these stories where evil was used, where the devil tried to do something, but God used it for the greater good. So God is always in charge. God is always with us and there's always a bigger plan. Job. We can say what happened to Job was also evil. Job's slaves or Job's people that worked for him were killed and the donkeys and the cows were stolen. Their children had a banquet in a house and a great wind came and the wolf fell. And kill 10 children, all 10. I don't know. I cannot imagine this. When a parent loses one child. I've done one or two funerals. And it's the most gut-wrenching thing for me to do in this. Nothing is worse than that. I cannot imagine losing one child. Job lost 10. Not only that, did he lose all his fortunes, all his slaves. Everything was killed. And then Job, yes, he spent time grieving. But then we see <laughs> Where Job came, and this verse is not on your Job 2 verse 7, and it says, At this time Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground and worshipped and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. The little faith mustard seed. It's all that we need. And we need to trust God in the difficult times. We need to trust God in the most intense times of our lives. We actually have to lean in more into him. You know, we lost a baby. I don't know how many of you know this. I've got a tattoo on that. It says, always loved, never forgotten. That's what the tattoo says over here. We've lost a baby prematurely. And I still to this day do not have an answer on why God has allowed this to happen to us. But what I do know is that it gave us a bit more insight on helping people that's also lost a baby. To help people also understand that we know what they are going through and how God's peace that surpasses all understanding can help us. You know, you lean into that times when you are not sure. When you are trying to fight alcohol addiction, one day you will be a testimony for alcohol and help other people that's struggling with alcohol. How do I know this? This is a fact because our best counselors that's based on alcoholism is previous alcoholics that got their life clean. If you're struggling with drugs at the moment and you're in that pit, you need to come out and trust God and let God elevate you because at the end, you're going to be a living testimony for drug abuse and speak against it. Oscar Schindler was a Nazi who was actually imprisoned and he saw what was happening and he made a change. Joseph was imprisoned and he kept on worshiping God and he made a change. Do you see that Hollywood or the world tells us when you're in the pit, plot revenge. But God says when you're in the pit, you need to elevate him because he will elevate you to make a change for him, not for yourself. 
you need to lean on to him. I needed to prayerfully, me and my wife had to prayerfully surrender our control and our understanding. I do not know all the answers. God doesn't reveal everything to us. But what I do know is that God has got an intention and a plan for us to get through this and to, be a, to glorify him and to becoming a living testimony. I'm not a big fan of the word God has got a plan with this. Not a big fan of those words. But when I look at Joseph, God has got a plan to make sure that his name will be raised at the end of this. And you're the instrument that's being used. New Life Church Christianity is not about you. Being a Christian is not about you. Your trials and tribulations is not about you. The evil you're going through is not about you. It's a story that God is writing with him winning at the end. That's what it's about. My second point is this. God uses evil events for good. Genesis 45 verse 5 to 7 says this. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves. This is Joseph to his brothers. Can you imagine this? Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves. I'm like, why would Joseph say, don't be mad at yourselves? I'm like, for goodness sake, you threw me in the pit. Come on, I'm mad. But he says, don't be mad at yourselves because God... Because it was to save lives that God has sent me ahead of you. Can I say, this is happening at the end of the chapter. It's at the pinnacle point of the story. Hindsight, they call it, is a beautiful thing. Have you ever heard that saying? Joseph didn't know what was coming. But he kept on trusting. You don't know what's coming your way. You don't know what the evil is that you face. But something is coming and God will use it for good. I want to use this example quickly. I, I didn't know in the beginning of January this year... That in October, 10 months later, I will be testifying about what happened to me in January in 2023. It was the worst time of my life. But in hindsight, when I trusted God and I elevated God and I listened to people around me and I asked for help and I, I, I put it myself aside and put God first, I was able to give a testimony on how to handle depression, how to handle certain situations. God, it's not a story about Louis in the pits. It's talking about Louis starting in the pits and where God has elevated himself and making me a vessel to proclaim the good news today because the people need to hear about Jesus. They need people just boldly about Jesus. I could take revenge. You can take revenge today. But it's not about what I, we want. It's about what God wants. Joseph could have taken revenge, but he rised to a position where he could ensure the survival of his family. When I ask you to embrace patience, it's the most difficult thing to do for us as humans. Joseph waited 10 years in prison. Some of you can't even wait 20 minutes in the McDonald's line. No, I know that. Because when you go to McDonald's and they tell you to park over there and wait for your order, what do you do? You climb out your car and you go into McDonald's. And you give him a piece of your mind. When you go through trials and tribulations, when evil comes, you need to be patient. You need to allow to do, to do let God do what he does. It's taken two years for Pharaoh to take that dream and for Joseph to be able to, 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 to speak into it. But also seek perspective. I needed to figure out in my darkest times, what is God trying to teach me? What is God trying to show me? Why is the world doing this to me and I'm not feeling like God is here and answering my prayers? And the perspective I got is, Louis, you're not alone. No Christian is an island. 
you need to have the right people around you. And one day you need to understand everything you do must be a living testimony towards what I've done in your life. And I think that's the perspective we all as Christians must take. Instead of asking God, why have you abandoned me? God asked, how can you use me in this situation? And I know it's tough, guys. I know it's not easy. But I'm also speaking from a place of that type of scenario. We are supposed to seek perspective and embrace patience when it comes to that. Last, and, and this is the last part of today, God uses people to help others. Now, this is for all of us today. If you come to church thinking what you can get, you're in the wrong place. In the sense of, yes, take the nourishment, take the food. Jesus is, the word is food to us. But if you're not applying to it, it's, uh, it's pointless. Thank you, Monica. We need to help other people. Now, Genesis 50 verse 21, I want to read this to you. And this really put everything into perspective for me when I looked at this verse. And it says this in Genesis 50 verse 21. So don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke. What's the word there? I don't think, you're not saying with conviction, spoke kindly to them. Can I put this here? Kindly. Yes, your brothers, they throw you in a pit. What happens to your, you get elevated to Potiphar's house. You get falsely accused. You're thrown into prison for 10 years. You become second in charge. Here comes your brothers and sisters to you. And here comes your family to you. And you have every human right to take evil revenge on them. And what does God tell us to do? Keep this verse on, please. We, he reassured them and spoke. Some of you have to do unblocking on WhatsApp. Some of you have to do phone calls. Some of you have to speak kindly. New Life Church, if we don't do that, we're the same evil the world is speaking about. That hurts. We need to act kindly. I've never saw the verse and that would jump out so much like this. He wasn't an instrument He wasn't the leader of Egypt only. He was an instrument of God's care and providence. It means when we heal, we heal from our brokenness. Our story comes from our brokenness. The way God gets elevated and and we help other people is through the broken times. Nobody is perfect. Solomon said, you're no perfect people allowed. Nobody is perfect. I'm not perfect. Desiree is not perfect. Solomon is not perfect. Jessica is not perfect. My wife is very close to perfect. I hope she's, I hope she's watching online. What else? This was for nothing. But we need to operate from that pain and betrayal. Actively serve. Serve in your community at this moment. Serve in your church or in this church. If you want, and if you're watching online, you have a different church, go serve actively as a body in the church, a physical body in the church. Help others because Potiphar was supposed to buy Joseph. That white cupbearer was supposed to be remembering who Joseph was. That two little things makes a little bit of a difference in the story. And sometimes God will put people on your path to help them through their pain because you have suffered the same pain. 
I want you to be more boldly in your testimony. I'm a social media guy. I love social media. I am bold in social media. And every time I get a chance to preach, I am bold as much as I can be because that is how God has made me to be. He has taken this weak, little, young Afrikaans man who couldn't speak English properly, who was shy and, and, and was worried what people would think of him to this bold, bold to, bold preacher for God at the end of the day. And I don't really care about my English anymore. But understand this. Evil meant for good. Evil meant for good. So when you're in that evil situation, God will use it to make it good for Him, not for you. To glorify Him. Romans 8 verse 28 says the following. And we know that in all things, God works for the good to those who love Him, who have been called according to His Purpose. Keep that verse on, please, please, please. I want to explain it like this. Do you see your purpose there? No. Do you see your will there? No. Do you see only good things there? Do you see only when things go well? New Life Church and those online today. We have a tendency to leave church when God doesn't answer us in three months, four months, five weeks, two weeks, one week, whatever. When life happens and life becomes evil, we tend to question God's goodness. But Romans 8 verse 28 says, and we know that in all things, good, bad, evil, no matter, uh, works for the good of those who love and who have been called according to His purpose. When I understood what I was going through was for His purpose and not mine, it made the road a little bit more easier. When Joseph knew that everything has happened for God's purpose instead of His it made that road way more worthy than anything else. I want to remind you today, when I look at the world and I look at evil, we don't have all the answers, but God has a bigger plan. He's shown it over and over and over again in the Bible. And we see it in stories now at this moment with Schindler's List and on all these other ones, just to mention a few. But if there's three things that we need to understand, first of all, we need to come to a place where one, God is in charge. We need to recognize that he is the ultimate authority no matter the circumstances. Secondly, we need to know that God uses evil for good. And he can do that no matter the circumstances. And then lastly, when I look at this whole scheme of things, God uses people to help others. You must be an instrument of his providence to everybody else. New Life Church, it is time for us to stop being bench warmers and setting this church super hot every Sunday and we're not making a change in the world. The world is getting worse, yes. And I do believe in end times. And I do believe that things are wrapped. Well, it's happening quite quickly at the moment. But we cannot sit here and say, Louis, see you next Sunday. You're supposed to help people. You're supposed to agree or show your brokenness. But also show his authority when evil comes. The only way darkness wins is when you keep it in the dark. But when you bring it to the light, God wins. Lord, I thank you for each and every person here today. I thank you that we can come in your name and know that you are God. I thank you for the story of Joseph. I thank you that we can come and spend time with you today. Lord, I pray for wisdom. I pray for peace. I pray for joy. I pray for hope for each and every person here. Lord, I thank you that you are in control. I thank you that we can just trust you with everything we have. Lord, we don't have all the answers of why things happen, but one thing we know that you are still God. 
I thank you that we can look at the story of Joseph and just see how it's also our story today. I thank you that you love us. I thank you for your peace. I thank you that we can walk out here victorious today, Lord. And I pray that whatever people are feeling that the evil is portrayed against them, I come against that in Jesus' name. I thank you for your hope for us. Thank you for your peace for us. And I thank you that whatever the circumstances we surrounded with, you are still there. Lord, I pray that people will take their lives out of the grave and turn it into a garden today. I pray that with your strength that you will turn them into something that they can testify about and that they know you are God and you are control. So I pray that we won't lead people to us, but lead people to Jesus. And I pray this in your name. Amen.